Father, we just thank you for your goodness, that your mercies are new every morning, your wisdom, your knowledge. I just believe, Father, that you're speaking to each and every one of us that are here, that are watching. I thank you, God, for open hearts and our minds being renewed and the love of God being manifested in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Nathan and Danielle, they uh, had a, a death in their Nathan's family back in Tulsa. His aunt passed away, so they've been there. And, uh, and there's some changes for our church. Uh, of course, Danielle's the worship leader. And uh, her boys, her three boys, are growing quickly. And so she is just going to be stepping away from the worship team. And she'll help out from time to time, but um, she's going to focus on some other things right now. And so uh, thank God for my wife. She's stepped in for right now. And so uh, I just, life is full of changes. Amen. It, it always is and always will be. But I'm thankful that uh, no matter what, God is faithful, what we sing about this morning, and every need is always met. Amen. Um, our scripture for this year is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I feel like the Lord wanted that to be our scripture. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I believe that's going to be a very strong message for us. And uh, we also have a different scripture for... Um, our offering as well, and uh, and I'm so glad that Tiffany, our PowerPoint people back there, love us because I'm going to throw you a curveball, all right? So we're not going to be at the beginning of all those scriptures that I gave you. You love me? Just checking. Your love could be tested this morning. Um, I've heard many ministers say this, that this year it's the year of the church, the year of the church, the local church. And uh, back in the 80s and even 90s, and it still goes on today, but uh, back in the 80s, it was really big for there to be major conventions and people gathering, and, uh, and I feel, think that's still going on today, but not as big as it was back in the uh, early 80s and 90s. But um, I just feel like that uh, God is going to really move in the local church. I believe there's going to be manifestations like we've never seen before. I believe there's going to be miracles. I believe there's going to be the power of God. And also, I believe just the love of God's going to be manifested. His love to be manifested. And um, I was thinking about that. And um, a lot of times we do things as far as church, as far as what we do for God. And uh, it's under obligation. Obligation, and uh, obligation means the act or course of action to which a person is morally or legally bound, a duty or commitment. It's a debt of gratitude for a service or favor, something that a person feels morally or legally forced to do. And a lot of times you think, man, I just I feel obligated to do this, I have to do that. But I want to tell you something, there's always that time in our life that we are obligated, and obligation is not a bad thing. Have you ever been in a major knockdown, drag out disagreement with your spouse? 
Obligation is a good thing. You're obligated. You feel like, okay, I'm going to stay married to you, even though I don't really feel like it right now. Y'all looking at me really holy like y'all have never had those thoughts, but maybe it's just me. Hey, I listened to this message, so I could be preaching to myself. But um, I remember when I worked for FedEx, I worked for them uh, 12 or 13 years, something like that. But I remember the full last year that I worked with them, I hated getting up and going to work every day of my life for 12 months. 12 months. That's a long time. to. But I was obligated because I had, first of all, the company. I had to work, fulfill my responsibility then. But then, even more importantly, I had a family that I had to take care of. And so uh, I kept working. I believe there's always obligation that we have to do things, whether it's do certain things. Let's just... Let's just be blunt. There's times that we're, you know, I, I give faithfully to the church. And uh, there's times when I think, don't really want to. And, uh, and I'm the pastor, so I can imagine what you, you feel like from time to time. But uh, I do it because I just know that's the right thing to do for me. I'm talking about me. And... Uh, but I know that this is what I'm believing for. When you are obligated to do something, God, if you go to God, he will open up your eyes to look on the bright side of things. I believe that Jesus realized that he had an obligation. Remember when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying so hard and such intensity upon him that blood was coming out of his sweat pores. And I believe he realized he had an obligation. He said, Father, there's any other way to do this. Let's do plan B. But he said, nonetheless, he knew that he had an obligation. He says, thy will be done. The point is this, though. I believe that Jesus, in the midst of his most trying time, the Bible says this, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I believe he had a manifestation of what not only his obligation was, but he was moved to a higher realm of knowing that there was joy set before him. And so, therefore, it was, it did, that obligation became something that was a joy for him to do. And I believe for every obligation and for the trying times that we're doing things, that God wants to show himself strong to where it's not I have to, it is I want to. I want to. And um, I prayed a lot this, I've been praying a lot for our church. I've been a pastor now for a long time. And, um, but I have prayed more this year for Rocky Mountain Family Church than I've ever prayed in my life. And... Um, I pray for you all. There's sometimes that your face is brought before me, and I pray for you. And then I pray in general as well. But I believe that this year that God wants to connect us to truly be the family that he's always destined this church to be. I believe he wants to minister to us as a family. I believe he wants us to be connected as a family. 
And I know that we, none of us, including myself, we don't really understand the body of Christ as a family. But this was God's idea. And I know there's people that say, you know, I can just serve God in my own home. And you know what? Yeah, you can. But that's not God's intention. You know, the Lord spoke something simple to me that I have never seen this before in my life. When Jesus came to this planet, how many think that he could do the job no matter what? He was the son of God, made it incarnate in flesh. And yet, when he went into ministry, he picked out 12 guys. I never realized, you know, I just thought, you know, that we just knew that. You know why he did that? He didn't want to do it alone. Maybe he couldn't do it alone. I just realized that, man, he picked out a team of people to do the will of God. And he's Jesus. And I thought, how much more to us that we need a team of people, a family? I thought, wow. It just, I don't know, it just like a light bulb moment. I have a lot of light bulb moments. Do you know what those are? It's like, duh. You know, the disciples said that. That's why somebody said that's why they were called the disciples because they, <laughs> they had a lot of duh moments. But I've said this before. You know, I'm from Kentucky, and you've heard this expression. If you ever see a turtle sitting on a fence post, you know it had help. Just think about it. A turtle can't climb a fence pole. So if it's sitting on top, it's on top of the world, but it definitely had help. God wants us to be encouraged and to be helped. And we don't totally understand that. What is the significance of coming and meeting together? You know me. I'm a grace guy. And so I'm not, (laughs) this is not a legalistic thing. If you're new to our church, then you're just going to have to interpret this the best we can. I believe God will help you do that. But in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. In all common sense, why do we need to come together? Why do we need to meet together? I mean, this year's been a trying, or last year, 2020, you know, we couldn't meet for some time. But Jesus knows so much more than us, obviously. And in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So that means, first of all, to consider one another. We and I have to to rub shoulders together from time to time. There's something about meeting together that we totally don't understand, but he just says, uh, make sure that you consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. So obviously, back then, there was 
uh, a notion to not ha- to have to meet together. He says, as it is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So he says, listen, you guys, you need to make sure that as the future goes on, we need to even make it more a priority to meet together. Now, I know some theologians, they sit there, you know, the book of Hebrews is written to the Jews. And this scripture is specifically written for 70 A.D. for what was about to happen. And uh, all of the tradition or all of the, the terrible things that was going to happen to Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And so that's what that's all about. I agree with that. But I also know the Bible is written for you and me in 2021. Are you out there? This, the Bible is just not a history book. And if you interpreted that, as it says in 2 Corinthians, that then you're just doing it from a human level, and you're going to miss God. You're going to miss God. It's written for you and me. And I believe it's written for a purpose that we shouldn't forsake. And listen, this is you all were here, so I'm preaching to the choir. But I believe all of us from time to time can get, can I say it, just lazy. I mean, that, those six or seven weeks when we just, I filmed and you watched me in your pajamas, drinking coffee, you can get in the habit of that. But this is the thing. God wants us to come together. He does. I know everyone can be tempted just to think that, well, is it really necessary? I get along fine in life without coming to church. You can. You can. There's a lot of people that do it. But I just know there's times that when we need to come together. I see the McDonald's back there. And years ago, most of y'all probably don't even know this, years ago when we had probably the, the, uh, well, not since I've lived here, it's the worst storm that I've ever experienced here in in Colorado. It, It rained so hard and so long and I think there was even a, a minor tort, not minor, but it, was, it didn't do hardly that much damage to, as far as a tornado. And Jennifer called me, and she said, you know, and she was crying, frantic. I thought, holy cow. She said, our house is flooding. And I don't know what else she said, but I just, Danielle and I jumped in a truck and tried to get to their house. And uh, I thought, well, maybe it's just a little bit, you know, not as bad as what she was frantic about. And uh, it took us a long time because I couldn't even get there. The road was flooded. I had to go on I-25 to get to her house. But uh, anyway, to make a long story short, when I got there, I went to the top of the basement. And the water had come all the way up, about halfway up the stairs. So their basement was totally underwater. And uh, and make a, even worse, their insurance was, wasn't going to cover that. So we just put out the word to our church. And all kinds of people, men and women, came. We had pumps, and we pumped out their basement. And we power washed all of the mud off their basement. And when it was all said and done, it looked just as good as new. It took a lot of work. But their insurance wasn't going to cover it. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because that's, that's the, the family of God. Julio, back there, when his wife passed away, I mean, the church brought in so much food and 
and uh, this is what Julio said, man. I mean, he had a ton of people there. I mean, inside and outside of his house after the funeral. And everybody that came in got food. I was, you know, just in, in the kitchen area, and Julio would sit there, and he said, this is what our church did. The church did all of this. Somebody else would come in. This is what our church did. And I went, okay, Julio, okay, Julio, it's, it's all right, it's all right. No, this is what every single person that came in there, they knew where that food came from. I mean, every single one. I mean, it was just like a tape recorder, and I just, it was almost embarrassing to me. I thought, okay, I'm going to slip out back. Because and this is my pastor, and his church, our church did all of this. There's things that happen that, that, we, that are little, but you just don't know how big it is. God knows things. He knows things that we don't know. And we just have to trust him. Jeff and so many people have had surgery and had this operated on and and just our church getting behind people and saying man we're going to believe god for total restoration that means a lot it means a lot to people it means a lot when people come to me privately and say oh, man i'm just going through a tough time and we pray it just means a lot being connected to the body of christ and so I've, i'm i'm going to throw this out there let's make this a year to where we really are connected to Rocky Mountain Family Church. We're always provided for. We're all, God is faithful. He really is. I'm not pointing fingers or twisting arms. If you think that, then you don't know my heart. You really don't know my heart. My heart is, man, I'm not the greatest pastor. I understand that. And I've done some stupid things and leadership things. I've not been the sharpest knife in the drawer. But I do know one thing. I've loved this church no matter what, and I've loved people no matter what, and that's not because of Mike Davis. That's just because of what God poured into me to love you, to love you, to pray for you. Melody as well. We love people. I mean, if you're coming to here to get the most doctrine, theology, 100% right, then this is not your church. And I'll just say this, there's not any pastor on this planet that is 100% right in their doctrine. How's that for a news alert? There's not. I've noticed that even within myself. I've known that within myself. And then I hear other ministers, you know, brag about this, and I just thought, you're deceived, but that's all right. I just know that. But I do know one thing. God is going to use us. He's going to use you. I believe that he's going to bless this church. I'll be real transparent. The Lord back in 1985 gave me a vision. 85. That's a long time ago. I was going through hell in my life at that time. And um, I saw myself in a pit. You've heard, if you've been here very long, you've heard this, but I'm doing it just because of, I want to hear it again. Um, it was a pit that was hundreds of feet down, and it, I could touch the sides of the pit, and it was square. But when you touched it, your arm went in to your wrist in mud. And my shins were all the way up in mud, so it was just mud. And uh, I saw Jesus standing at the very, very tip top, and he was only about two or three inches tall. And I cried out to him. 
because I knew I could never get out of that. And so he bent down and he stuck his arm out and his arm just kept growing and growing and growing. And he came and his hand filled up. the. I scooted over to the corner and his hand filled up the whole pit. And I stepped up into his hand and he began to take me out. And as I looked up, as the higher I went out of the pit, the bigger and bigger and bigger he got to where I was out of the pit. And he was just huge, huge. And he set me up on a big monster rock. And I woke up. I woke up. And Psalms 40, this is 1985. I couldn't tell you what Psalms 40 said in 1985. And Psalms 40 says this, I cried into the Lord and he heard my cry. I waited patient for him and I cried into the Lord and he heard my cry. He lifted me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. For the last 10 years, I've thought about this scripture, but these last few weeks of my 2020, the scriptures became more real to me. I said, Lord, I believe you've lifted me up out of the pit. I believe you set myself on a rock. I believe you've established my goings. I believe that the, a new song, the praise unto our God, was the revelation of the grace message. But I said one thing that I feel like you've not fulfilled in that whole thing since 1985 is that many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. I don't believe that's happened, God. And I believe the Lord says, I'm faithful. I will cause that to happen. How? I have no idea. But I know that he's faithful and that he will cause that to happen. Why? Because I believe God wants people to trust him. I believe God wants us to depend upon him. You know, fear can, you know, a lot of people talk about fear, even from the pulpit. Fear in that uh, it can cause people to run away like it did the children of Israel when the mountain was burning, God came to visit his people. That can cause fear and, and cause people to run. But even in that, if you truly know God, Moses went toward the mountain. Why? Because he knew there's not to be afraid of God. We're not to be afraid of God. But it's fear in knowing and valuing the wisdom and everything that God is. That's the fear that he wants us to have. It's valuing him. And so I, I believe that God wants Pueblo to love him, to trust him. And I believe we're a church that can be a spark to our city. I believe we're a church that can be a spark to our community, to your family. I just believe that there's great things. And I know everybody thinks that in the beginning of the year. But I do know this. There's things that I've gotten up on the first of the year and go, man, bless God, we're going to do this. And I believe that. And, and when the dust settled, it, it, we were just right where we were at. I'm still believing for those three things up there on the wall. I still believe that. But one thing I do know is this, is that I believe God wants to show himself strong 
in the goodness of God. I still believe he's a miracle-working God. I still believe that he causes the people that are sick to be. There's restoration and marriages that no counselor can ever put back together. I believe there's relationships between parents and their children. I believe there's so many great things for women who are who are single and, and men who are single that, that just think, what about me? What about me? And God is going to be better than any husband, better than any wife, better than any finance person could ever do to you. He's going to make himself known to you, and you're going to understand the goodness of Almighty God. Because that's my father. That's who he is. He's in the business of making a Saul, a Paul. He's in the business of taking prostitutes and putting them in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy cow. He's in the business of taking the Jobs and causing them to have twice as much as what they had stolen from them. He's in the business of causing people who are total failures to be successful. And they know that this was truly God because they do not have that kind of ability. He's in the business of taking people who do not have the ability and causing things to happen. The Peters who have the big mouth to make them a foundation in the the church of God and even taking those who doubt and go to them and say even though you doubted me I'm still going to show myself to you did you hear that Thomas makes he gets a lot of bad rap but I know one thing Jesus went to him and said Thomas you doubted me Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. But he still made himself known to Thomas. Look here, Thomas. Look at my hands. So, I mean, there's times you and me, we doubt, do we not? And I'm thankful, you know, and I'm a, I, I teach faith, I preach faith, I'm all about faith. But I do know one thing, even when I don't have it, God didn't, doesn't sit there and go, Sorry, too bad, so sad. I'm thankful that God is not the God of second chances, fourth chances, 50 chances. He's a God who's always going to be there as long as you got breath in your lungs. He's always going to be there as long as you got breath in your lungs and you can doubt today and tomorrow and every day. And God's still going to sit there and say, I want to know that, let you know that I'm still real and love you no matter what, Mike Davis. He'll do that for you. Even when you're doubting, even when you're running away. Even when you're the prodigal, living in pigsty, not even caring about God, God will just ever so slightly make himself known to you. And then once you just make an attempt to come to him, the prodigal son just made an attempt and he felt like mud. And yet the father, it's the only story in the, in, in the, the Bible that it shows the father literally running toward The prodigal son, he ran toward him. He couldn't wait to embrace him. God is in the business of hugging prodigals, those who run away, those who feel like they don't care anything about God. 
I believe that there's going to be a great awakening in 2021. And that awakening is going to be this, where God's going to make his love known to you, make himself known to you in a way that can only be known to you. He's not a generic God. He's an individual, how he speaks to you. Just like, you know, the wise men, he spoke to them the way that they understood. He spoke to the shepherds in the way that they understood. He spoke to Mary and Joseph. He speaks to us in a way that only you and I know that he can get our attention. Whether it's a dream or vision or burning on the inside or just an overwhelming thought. You mark my words, it's going to happen to us this year that he's going to make himself known. Amen. Well, I was supposed to talk about trust. I trust you think that I did the right thing this morning. Trust. Don't knock those scriptures out, Tiffany. Maybe we'll do them next week. But our scripture for the offering, Psalms 35, 27. About a couple of months ago, the Lord gave me this scripture. And so we, I, every time we, we eat, I say this scripture. And it says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So when I sit at the dinner table at the end, when I pray, I said, let the Lord uh, who has pleasure in the prosperity of the Davises. I make it personal. So I said, Lord, I thank you. We're shouting, being glad because... You take pleasure in prospering the Davises. <clears throat> so I believe that this year, that God is going to take pleasure in prospering your household. And that's more than just money. It includes money. But it's the favor and the joy of just life itself. I believe that. So that's going to be our scripture for this year for, for, the, for the offering. Amen. So... Let's stand up. Can we just say that out loud together? Let's say this out. Ready? Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity. And you can say your name. You can say your name. Amen. Praise God. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. I believe eyes are going to be opened up in our church. The importance of what we're doing. The importance of the body of Christ. The importance of being committed. The importance of even giving. The importance of everything that we do. That it would not be because of pressure. And not be because of arm twisting. It would be because of the goodness and the love of God. We believe that for Rocky Mountain Family Church. I thank you that you're going to be drawing people that can connect to it, to us. I know there's people that connected to all the different churches. But, Lord, I, I believe there's ones and people out there that should be connected here and that you're leading them here. And that, Lord, that we'll be a family that loves and accepts people and desires to be a blessing to people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.